2. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And Sister Christy, I don't know, I, I'm not able to connect, so if you want to help put some of these verses up, I'd appreciate it, Sister. Amen. 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. And we'll begin at, begin at verse number 6. Begin at verse number 6. Amen. I still hear some of you turning, so praise God. I want you to, uh, I want you to begin to, uh, to help me pray. Amen. I, the Lord's been dealing my heart about it, and I, this afternoon I watched a, an interview. Uh, Dean Sykes was interviewing one of my favorite pastors in the world, Happy Caldwell. Literally, his mama named him Happy. Amen. And... Um, he got born again, happy got born again late in life. He was a liquor salesman. And he said he was one of his best customers. Amen. And he got born again at the Grand Ole Opry, the Ryman Auditorium there. And he heard Johnny Cash's testimony when Johnny Cash and June, they came back to the Lord. He heard their testimony and then a guy followed it up with about a five-minute sermon and Happy Caldwell said he was in the balcony and they asked him to come forward and he said, I couldn't find my way down there. He said, I, was, I wound up backstage at the Grand Ole Opry and all these people were trying to tell me how to get to the altar. And he, Anyway, he said he told his wife that night, he said, I, I got a feeling that everything in our lives is about to change. Amen. And boy, did it. Amen. But the word that he used in that interview is a word that the Lord's been turning over in my heart and it's the word awakening. Amen. Awakening. The church needs an awakening because this world needs an awakening. And it's got to begin, if you read the scriptures, it's got to begin in the house of God. What needs to happen in the, in the, in the world outside of the church has to begin in the church and then carry over. So just as you pray, as you, I know some people prefer the word revival, amen. To me, revival is a result of awakening, amen, where people awaken, where people's eyes are opened, where there's a, there's a shifting of the focus, there's a shifting of the priorities, there's a shifting of, of, of what they're pursuing in life. Amen. Amen. All right. First Corinthians chapter two. I'm not here to preach on that tonight. I'm just giving you a chance to turn and, uh, that's on the top of my heart. Amen. First Corinthians chapter two, verse six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. We talked about this last Sunday evening. I know a lot of you were here, some of you were not. And then of course we talked about it some this morning. I'm not gonna to try to review everything. I wanna move deeper into what I think the Lord has for us tonight. But we often use the words knowledge, understanding, and wisdom interchangeably. But those words do not mean the same thing. They are related, but they do not mean the same thing. 
If you think of knowledge as pieces to a puzzle, if you think of understanding as the pieces coming together and you beginning to see what you haven't been able to see before, have you ever used the expression, oh, I see it now? Or is it, you're beginning to see things that you haven't been able to see before. That's the pieces of the puzzle coming together. But wisdom is being able to take what you can see that you couldn't see before and apply it to your life to experience a result. To experience. And so, the, so the difference then is wisdom is a practical application of knowledge and understanding in order to get some result in your life. So if, if you'll just always think of wisdom being about results. And, and if you need better results than what you've been getting in the past, you need better wisdom. It's just that simple. The results you're experiencing right now um, are a reflection of the wisdom that you've lived by uh, up until this point in your life. And you can want and want and want things to change in your life, but if the wisdom that you're living by doesn't change or improve, there is no way the results that you're experiencing can change or improve. Now this passage also is important because we see that there's a wisdom that comes from this world and then there's a wisdom that comes from above or comes from God. And this world's wisdom will produce this world's results, but God's wisdom will produce God's results and God has made his wisdom available to you and to me. And we see that this wisdom has been put in place. That's what it means, hidden. It's been hidden not from you, but for you. It was hidden from God's enemies, but it was hidden for his children. But because it's hidden, we have to dig for it. We have to put some effort forth. And, and, and it's not just, <clears throat> it's more than effort. It's, it's effort that is a reflection of an attitude of the heart. It's effort that's, that is a reflection of a priority or a value or of a place that's been given. Jesus used the example of a man who was cutting across a piece of property. There was a big treasure that had been hidden in that field. And, and Jesus said that it was like a man who went, he sold everything that he had to buy the field to get the treasure. So it, you, you look at what the man did and, and the priority that he, I mean, he sold everything, right? I mean, I'm talking about he was selling cars. He was everything he had to, to get together enough money to go buy the field to get the treasure, right? But everything he did to buy the field was a reflection of the priority he placed upon that treasure, the attitude that he had towards it. So it's not just do this to be doing it, you know, it's not just, you know, put forth this effort for this effort's sake, but it's effort that's a reflection of an inward attitude. Amen. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? You understand what I'm saying here? Okay. And, and so this wisdom that's been hidden for us, there, there is a very specific attitude of the heart that will enable you to see it. The day you seek me with your whole hearts, the day you'll find me. Um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Um, if your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. And we're just, verse after verse after verse that we could, we could look at here. 
We see in the book of Acts where I think her name was Lydia. She, the Bible says she was a worshiper of God and that he unlocked her understanding to, to understand what the, the mysteries of the kingdom. So this wisdom that he's made available for our glory, he's talking about the release of your potential, um, the, the life that you're capable of living. But you'll, you'll never have your best life without God's wisdom working in your life. Um, you can only accomplish so much and experience a certain level of results with the world's wisdom. But God's wisdom is, is, is completely different. It's from another world, all right? And then in James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, if you lack wisdom, and we touched on this verse last Sunday evening this morning as well. I'll be brief here. But the idea is there's a recognition on our part that there's something we're lacking that we don't have, but that we can get from our Father because He does have it. And it honors Him when we ask. And He gives generously. Um, this, this word, without reproach, the King James Version says, upbraideth not. And, and literally it means with, with, he doesn't condescend. He, he doesn't, we use this example this morning, if you've ever um, said before asking a question, something like, this may be a dumb question. Or is this something that we really want to know the answer to, but you know, we kind of a little bit embarrassed because maybe we should know this already. And so we begin by, hey, this may be a dumb question, but because we're concerned that whoever we're asking is going to, you know, look down on us or maybe even make fun of us because we're asking a question that perhaps we should know the answer to already. That's what he means by he, with, he, without reproach, without upbraiding, with, without, without condescending to. In other words, he's never going to make you feel, he's, not, he's never going to belittle you for asking him for wisdom. Just the opposite. He's, he's going to... Uh, give wisdom to you that will promote you. Now, we finished up last Sunday night, and, and I really, it didn't work out this way, but I'm glad the Holy Spirit led me this way. Um, we were talking about people who get stuck on an island, like a castaway, like Gilligan, like, you know, on an island that they can't get off of. And we said that there are a lot of people in our world today and, and a lot of people, sadly, that are born-again believers in the body of Christ, they're stuck on an island, and I call it the island where nothing ever changes. The island where nothing ever changes. And just like any castaway stranded on a deserted island, we try and we try and we try to get off that island. We, we look and we look for some means of escape, some, some way to, to get beyond. Um, because, and I just, a few things just to mention here. On this island where nothing ever changes, we feel confined and trapped. Because on this island where nothing ever changes, there's limited resources. Right? There are limited options and limited opportunities. I mean, I'm talking to everybody tonight, but I'm talking to somebody specifically tonight. 
You, you just feel like there's no options for you. You feel like you're, you're trapped, you're stuck. Maybe you didn't get the education you should have got when you were younger. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've piled up a, uh, you know, a criminal record now. That, you know, there's all these things that, that seem to trap you and confine you and, and limit you. This is that island where nothing ever changes. It has limited boundaries, and limited access, even limited vision. In other words, you, everywhere you look, it's just one more barrier, one, one more uh, roadblock, one more obstacle that's keeping you from getting back to the, are you ready, the mainland of your best life. So you're stuck on this island where nothing ever changes and the limitations now are beginning to take an effect on your mind. Your thinking is shrinking. And you're beginning to try to figure out how to just continue to live in this limited, restricted environment. Please hear me. You'll never be satisfied on the island where nothing ever changes because you were created for more. You were not created to be limited. You were created to rule and reign in life. You were created not to have limited options and opportunities, but to have unlimited options, unlimited opportunities. Not limited access, but free access. Are you understand what I'm saying? Where the, the Bible even poetically talks about when, when you come walking down the road, so to speak, that the trees of the field, the branches on the trees begin to wave and clap their hands for you. Amen. Amen. Now, while trapped on this island where nothing ever changes, there's a boat that constantly circles the island. And there's a plane that constantly flies around it. The boat slows down and gets very close, but it never docks. It, it never comes to shore and stops. And although the plane will fly so low that it seems like it's, it's gonna scrape the tops of the trees, the plane never lands. But the boat keeps circling and the plane keeps flying over, making pass after pass, after pass. This is the boat and the plane that has come as a result of you asking God to get you off the island where nothing ever changes. It's a corny joke. I'm not telling it for the humor value. I'm telling it just to make the point. Remember the guy, he was trapped in the flood. He was on his roof and he asked God, for help. And um, a guy came by in a canoe and he said, hey, get in, man. And he said, I know I've asked God, you know, to save me. And then the waters kept rising. And so next thing you know, here comes a guy in a boat with a motor on it. And uh, he, hey, man, get in. He said, no, no, I asked God to save me. And then the water got all the way up onto the roof of his house and he's up at the very peak and, and here comes a helicopter and he waves the helicopter off and, and and he, and he says, no, thank you. I've asked God to save me. Well, the man drowned. 
Y'all know the rest of the story, right? He gets to heaven and he's like, Lord, why did you let me drown? I asked you to save me. And the Lord said, I sent you a canoe, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter, right? And so in that same line of thinking, when we talk about this island where nothing ever changes, we cry out to God for help. And he sends us the boat and he sends us the plane. If you look very carefully written on the stern of that boat are the words, the wisdom of God. That boat is the wisdom of God. If you look very carefully at that airplane, on the, on the tail uh, section of that airplane, you'll see the words again, the wisdom of God. Father God has sent your, His wisdom to you to rescue you from this island where nothing ever changes. All right, are you following me? Now, turn with me to a passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10. Proverbs 9 and 10. Christy, it's, I think, slide 17, if we're synced up. Oh, you've already found it. Look at you. Thank you, sister. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a moment, because... This plane that we're talking about that, that your heavenly father has sent to you stuck on the island where nothing ever changes. He sent this plane to rescue you. And you know, we, we keep building signal fires and, and we keep sending up smoke signals and every time it flies over, we holler and scream and wave and it goes on past and we think, well, he must not, be, he must not see us. Because surely if God saw us, he would rescue us. And, and yet he keeps sending that plane. That, that plane that'll carry you from the island where nothing ever changes to the mainland of your best life. It's called the wisdom of God. But here's the thing. Without the proper respect for God, there's nowhere for His wisdom to land. There's, there's nowhere for the connection to be made. Without a willingness on your part to take a leap of faith, there's no way for you to get in the boat. I'm, I'm, I know this may be very elementary tonight, but I'm just one more shot at trying to explain how all of this works. It's not that he sent that boat and that plane to torment you. He sent the boat and the plane to rescue you. But if we're ever going to take advantage of the wisdom of God, we are absolutely going to have to use something called faith. You see, Father's trying to rescue you from your financial mess by giving you instructions. His wisdom is given, it'll be given unto you. His, his wisdom is, uh, don't rob me, but give me the first 10% of your increase and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven from my side and pour out a blessing through those windows into your life that you don't have room enough to contain. See, this is the wisdom of God. But if you're ever going to be a giver, if you're ever going to be a tither, you're going to have to do it by faith. And so there's a lot of folks who have been stuck on an island where nothing ever changes financially in their life. They've lived from paycheck to paycheck their entire adult life. And they're tired of it. It's stressful. It's miserable to always seemingly be under the financial thumb of somebody else. 
And your Heavenly Father did not create you to live that way. He did not create you to live just paycheck to paycheck, barely getting by, barely enough. He saved you and called you to a life of abundance. He said that He would give you life and He would give it to you in overflowing abundance. He wants you to not only be blessed, He wants you to become a blessing. He doesn't just want to make you a blessed man or woman. He wants to make you a blessing to other people. Amen. But notice now, faith and, and the fear of God, we're going to talk about that, we may not get to all of it tonight, but, but faith, the wisdom of God to get you out of that place where nothing ever changes, if you're ever going to get in that boat, the wisdom of God, if you're ever going to get in the boat that pays tithes, if you're ever going to get in the boat that gives, if you're ever going to get in a boat that's not just focused on what you need, but in, in, in giving so that other people's needs can be met, amen, it's going to require faith. It's going to require faith. You're going to have to trust Him. You are absolutely going to have to trust Him. He's trying to rescue, but He can't rescue people who won't trust Him. He can't change what needs to be changed in our lives if we won't trust Him to change it. And now this fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Literally, it means it's, it's the place where it starts. Listen, God's wisdom is eternal. Remember the verse we looked at in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians just a moment ago? That He put His wisdom in place for you, right? From the foundations of the world. He, he put it in place before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. The, the timeless, eternal wisdom of God. Read about it in Proverbs. It, it's the same wisdom that he used to, you know, to take his you know, pinky finger and thumb and measure out the galaxies. Everything he created, the Bible says wisdom was sitting right there by him. Wisdom was, was, was his right-hand helper. You realize that our moon can produce a total eclipse of the sun even though I think the sun is 400 times bigger than the moon. But it just so happens, <laughs> back to that again, right? It just so happens that the moon is 400 times closer to the earth So that on that rare occasion when the, when the moon comes in front of the earth, it literally can black out the whole thing. Perfect. It's that kind of wisdom. Amen. That's available to make a difference in our lives. And it's eternal. When I say eternal, it was... It was, it was producing results before we were born and after we are no longer living on this earth should Jesus tarry His return by the way of the rapture, it will be producing results on this earth for men and women long after we're gone from here. The question is, does it have a place to get started in your life? 
This wisdom has been producing results for thousands and millennia, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So all of a sudden now me and you come along and the wisdom of God is over here producing results for people. Have you ever like had a friend, maybe he was uh, in on some kind of investment deal or, or you know, and, and you said, hey, you know, how do I get in on that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey man, that sounds like a good plan. How do I get in on that? Oh, really? You're, you're buying that at that price? How do I get in? How, how do I get involved in that, right? Are you picking up? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? Are you, are you following me? So again, think of it that way. The wisdom of God is producing results. The question we need to be asking ourselves is how do we get in on it? How do, how do we get started in this? I know some people who have gotten in on uh, like these multi-level marketing things. Young lady that was uh, in our youth group, Pam and I were uh, younger, I guess it's what, I don't know, 25 years or so ago now. Um, I have no idea how wealthy she is now, right? Again, um, she sells those essential oils, and it's one of those deals where people under her, she gets a percentage of everything they sell, and then those people have people under them, and they get a percentage of everything that, and it, it creates this pyramid, right? So, and she's somewhere towards the top of that pyramid. And then you find out about it later, you know, you see her vacation home here and there, and you're like, <laughs> how do I get in on that, right? But this was something that started a while back. She got in on the early, she got in on the ground floor, so to speak, right? You find what I'm saying? Well, Father's wisdom is like that. It's, it's not, you know, you say, well, I don't, his wisdom isn't producing any results in my life. Well, you know, essential oil is not producing any, you know, financial gain in my life either, but it doesn't mean that it's not producing it for somebody. So the question is, how do we get in on it? He's telling us here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is how we participate. This is how, uh, in other words, apart from this and I'll explain the fear of the Lord before we're done tonight. But apart from the fear of the Lord, there's nowhere for His wisdom to get started working in your life. Matter of fact, apart from, let's just say, the right attitude towards Him, because that's what the fear of the Lord really is. It's the right attitude. It's giving Him the place, giving His Word the place that it deserves in your life. Apart from recognizing who He is and who you are in relationship to Him, again, that's another way of saying the fear of the Lord. Apart from that, there's, there's nowhere for His wisdom, uh, let's just say it like we've been saying it already, there's nowhere for the plane to land. There's, there's no way for it to rescue you. Even though you can see it, it just flies over every day. You're like, man, you know. You're even drawn to it, right? I mean, you're like, man, let's go back down there and hear what Pastor Mark has to say tonight. You know, I don't know, something about all that stuff, right? Again, you're, you're even drawn to it. Man, I sure wish that'd do for me what it's doing for that sister over there. I sure wish that would work in my life like it's working for that brother over there. It will, right? Now, just in a few minutes, we have in the past taught extensively on the fear of the Lord. I know that sometimes when people hear that word, the fear of the Lord, it, it, it stirs up wrong ideas. This will only get you close. It won't get you all the way there. 
But if you would think um, respect, the fear of the Lord involves respect. It, it, it involves um, reverence. We, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. Listen to me, please. We're not talking about a negative emotion. We're not talking about the dominant negative emotion of fear. We're talking about an attitude, not an emotion. There's a difference. One of the ways that I try to communicate the fear of the Lord is, is, is to say it this way. My life is not my own to do with as I please. I've been bought with a price. He's the creator, I'm his creation. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's infinitely more to me than potter, and I am so much more to him than just a lump of clay on a wheel. But my relationship with him began as clay to potter, potter to clay, and I can never lose sight of that. Again, these are ways to, to try to explain or express the fear of the Lord. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that not only recognizes who God is, who He really is, but who I am in relationship to who He really is. Now, as we develop this attitude, it gives His wisdom a place to get started doing what only His wisdom can do in our lives. Apart from a fear of the Lord, there is no place for you to get in on what wisdom can do otherwise in your life. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, I'm sorry, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we may often hear that expressed like this. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Right? <laughs> I'm sure none of us in here, but you probably know somebody, right? Ain't nobody telling me what to do. Well, who does she think she is telling me how to do blah, blah, blah? See, in other words, again, that's, what are we doing? We're, we're despising wisdom. We're despising someone who, who's genuinely trying to help us and give us instructions. But, but because we're not willing to submit, right? We, he says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, let me, I'm going to finish right here, and then we'll pick it up um, Sunday morning. But let me, and because it's first Sunday, amen, all of you have a chance to be here if you'd like to be. But this word despise, it's a really important word. And let me go ahead and tell you, it doesn't mean biblically what it means to most of us currently. When we hear the word despise, we're like trying to find a word stronger than hate, right? I mean, it's not just that I hate spinach, I despise spinach, right? You know, it's like we're trying to we're like trying to find something to communicate something stronger than, than a, 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 hatred, a hatred for something, you know. It's like, you know, if hate her guts doesn't do it, right, then we're just going to get despise, despise, you know. So that's, that's a lot of times what we hear when we hear the word despise. Biblically, 
biblically, and we'll understand it does have, you know, roots in that, but biblically, the word despise means to look down upon, to treat lightly, to not give the proper respect or place to. That's important right there. To look down upon, right? That's back to that whole condescending. Remember, if you lack wisdom and you ask God, He will give it to you generously and He'll not look down upon you. But see, the, the enemy of your soul is constantly trying to turn those tables where it's, your Heavenly Father's not going to look down upon you for asking Him for wisdom, but the enemy's trying to get you and me in, in this crosswise position to where we're actually looking down upon the wisdom of God. We're, we're looking down, we're discrediting it. We're not, we're not properly valuing it or respecting it. I tried that tithing stuff, it didn't work. I tried that faith business, it didn't work. I trusted God and he let me down. That makes you the first person in human history, right? <laughs> Amen. But notice now, notice the condescending tone to that. Oh, there's nothing to all that. You ain't got to go to church to go to heaven. Right? See? Our church is full of hypocrites anyway. Notice now, see, looking down on it. Looking down on it. If you ever find yourself in a position where you're looking down upon the wisdom of God, I would suggest you get out of that seat immediately. We're not supposed to be looking down, but looking up. You see the difference there? We're looking up to Him. My dad turned 81 yesterday. Give him a hand. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I look up to him. See the difference there? I look up to him. I look up to his wisdom. I look, I look up to his life experience. I look up to what he's accomplished in life. I look up to the consistent, faithful life that he's lived now. I'm 52. I guess I woke up on planet Earth around, you know, 48 years ago. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I look up to him. Right? We should have that same attitude where we look up to our Heavenly Father. To despise His wisdom is to look down upon. To treat lightly. Oh, it's really not that big a deal. So that's treating something lightly. Trivializing something. This is what it means to despise, to treat lightly. And then the last part of the definition, to not give the proper respect or place to. A fool doesn't give the proper respect to wisdom and instruction. A fool treats lightly as no big deal the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. A fool looks down upon the ways and wisdom of God available to completely transform a man or a woman's life. So let's turn this to a positive and we'll pray.
If a fool treats the wisdom of God lightly, what do you think a wise person does? You see the difference here? If a fool looks down upon it, a wise man looks up to it. If a, if a fool treats it lightly with little to no respect, a wise man is one who values it, who treasures it, who pursues it, who, who, who recognizes the worth and, 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 the, and, the, and the importance, right? Remember we said God won't violate his own laws. He told me and you not to cast our pearls before swine. Don't put precious, the precious things of God in, in, out in front of people who have no respect for them. He told me and you not to do it, amen? And you can rest assured, he's not going to do it either. He's not going to take secret, sacred, hidden truth, kept a secret from the foundation of the world. He's not just going to take that and throw it out there for anybody to disrespect, to look down upon, to treat lightly, to laugh at and mock. He's not going to do it. But you take a man or a woman who will come before him and say, Father, I need some answers here, and you have them. You have them, I don't. But you said if I ask you humbly in faith, you would give me your wisdom. I'm asking you, sir, to give me your wisdom and show me what I don't. Notice, notice you're looking up to it. You're, you're respecting it. You're valuing it. You're making it a part of your daily life. You're making it a part of your, of your daily prayer life. Amen. Now, notice what's happening. You're showing an appreciation for it. Your, your attitude is, is one of respect for our Father and His ways. That's, that's a ready heart. Now He can start showing you some things. He can start teaching you some things. But now listen, please. When He begins to show you those things, don't chicken out. No, 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 we've got to take a step, right? We, we, we got to get on the plane. Amen. Brother Rick Hosmer, I, we've kind of joked back and forth with one another. He's been building an airplane. I've been writing a book. I said, I don't know which one of us is going to finish first, brother. I said, but I want you to take one of my books up in your plane. It's a two-seater plane. Amen. But I'd rather him take one of my books instead of me. Amen. Not that I don't trust him. Amen. The point, what, what am I saying? It takes a little faith to get in the plane. You follow what I'm saying, right? You've got to get in the plane. You've got to trust the pilot. You've got to trust the plane. You've got to, amen, are you, are you following me? Requires some faith. Fear of the Lord and faith. It'll get you off that island where nothing ever changes. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you said we have not because we ask not. Jesus, you told us to knock and keep knocking, to seek and keep seeking, to ask and keep asking. And so, Father, we ask you tonight, humbly before you, sir, if you would give to us your wisdom concerning the things that we're facing in our lives. Father, your wisdom that'll produce your results, that'll bring breakthrough. Wisdom that you hid before we ever lived on this earth. Wisdom that you hid for us. 
wisdom that we could access and live our lives according to by faith receiving results that only your wisdom will produce. So Father, we ask you for your wisdom concerning our, our future, our family, our finances. Father, for your wisdom concerning important decisions that some are facing in this room. Father, some, without embarrassing anyone, Lord, some in this room are facing uh, court proceedings and they have appointments to stand before judges. Again, Father, we ask for your wisdom. Father, for your favor. Lord, the world may say there's no way out, but Lord, you always make a way of escape. There's always a way out. And I thank you, Father, that you are giving to each of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding are being enlightened. Father, that we are developing an attitude of respect and reverence for you that is deeper than anything, Lord, we have ever had. And, and Lord, you are helping us position ourselves for these pearls of great price, these precious things, Lord, that treasure in a field, Father. Lord, I thank you for the week ahead. Lord, I, I thank you for every person and, and Lord, what you have in store for uh, each of us. Lord, I thank you for this week of camp. I thank you, Father, for just breakthrough in the lives of our young people. I thank you, Lord, for just your Holy Spirit being poured out upon them. I thank you, Father, for a, 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 a safe place, Lord, where they can go and be in your presence and, Lord, receive wisdom from your truth and your word. I thank you, Father, for a safe trip and, and one that, that marks us all for your glory in a way that we've never been marked before. And Lord, I thank you for um, what you're doing in our family of faith here at Heritage. And Father, we ask you for your wisdom, specifically concerning an awakening, Father, an awakening, Lord, among your people. Father, that we would not grow stale and cold and stagnant or lukewarm, but Father, we would be on fire for you. Lord, that, that we would have a, a shift, Lord, in our priorities and our values. Lord, what's, what's important to us, what we invest our time, talent, and treasure, Lord, into. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing among us because, Lord, what you do in us, you want to do through us. We ask you, sir, humbly for your wisdom concerning these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.